Good afternoon, friends. Tis another grand and glorious day here in the best little city in America, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. We'll spend the next couple hours here on the Patrick Lally Show engaged in energetic and entertaining conversation on a range of topics. We like to talk about politics on all the levels, the local, the state, the national, lots of news. Uh, we hit uh, different issues. Uh, we're going to talk about some urban planning today. Oh, urban planning. Nothing better than urban planning. And, uh, and then more politics. Should be fun. A little bit of trade, things of this nature. Urban <laughs> Uber producer, not urban producer, Uber producer Dan Peters is in studio with us to keep us updated on the latest news, weather, and all that's going on out there. Thanks what up? For, yeah, what up? I'm oh. urban planner now, then I'm what up? <laughs> You're an urban producer. Urban producer. There you go. That's that's a good title. The, the Uber urban producer, Dan Peters. The U, the WDP. Y'all. <laughs> Uh, yeah, thanks for spending some time with us, whether you're on your radio, Information 1000, KSOO, driving around out in your car or hooked up with a transistor somewhere, streamed live on the internets with KSO.com or with the KSOO mobile app, now available in all your app stores. And uh, it's got all the push notifications on there for news and weather and such and one touch live streaming. Remember, you can always follow us live on Facebook Live and comment and chat with us there, or Twitter, at P. Lally Show. We like to use all the social medias. We're up to date. We're happening. We're, we're, you know, we're the cool kids. What up? What up? (laughs) Dog. Uh, We're chilling. We're chilling like a villain, as they say in, uh, what is that, the Descendant? Yeah, Descendants. That's the... That's the superhero cartoon, like the kids of the superheroes. Oh, yes, that's right. Chilling yeah. like a villain. It's big in the uh, with the folks who live in the house I reside in. It's a big, one kid in particular. It's got the chilling like a villain pajamas from Christmas. It's happening. You know, so, my kids, I, I think there were times when I think maybe one of my kids, one of my boys had a crush on Dove Cameron. Oh, yeah. The, one of the characters yeah. who plays yeah. in that deal. I, I knew nothing about it. And I was looking for some, you know, much in demand items during the holiday season. And I was at uh, one of the stores, I can't remember. And I must have looked really lost because I'm looking at this stuff uh, hanging on the wall there, you know, different clothing items. And a woman comes up to me and she says, that's a good one. I'm like, I don't know what I'm talking. Is this, is this the descendants? Because I don't know. And it was chilling like a villain. She's like, yes, that will work nicely. And it has. It's been very popular. It's still being worn today. So it's one of my best gifts ever. Uh, but, you know, that's not what I came here to talk about today. You know what I do have going on tonight, Dan? You know what it is. Oh, well, that's right. You got the tuba man. Tuba extravaganza tonight down at the Shrine. For South Dakota business leaders have talent, and I've mentioned many times, I'm neither a business leader nor talented, so I don't know how I got into this thing. But we had rehearsal last night, and, uh, you know, it went okay. It went okay. I ran through it a couple more times uh, at night. I've been trying to cut it down. I'm still a little over my allotted time, but we'll we'll see. Ooh, you don't want to have the music start playing like they do at the award shows. Like, <laughs> got to get Lally out of there. So, Give him the hook. Yeah, this is a fundraiser for the uh, symphonies, South Dakota Symphonies uh, uh, education programs, and I'm happy to do it. Been raising money. 
got some contributions from some of my weird friends. They're good people. So thank you for all that. And uh, But you can still come tonight. Social hour, social hour is at 6. The program starts about 7. Uh, I think I'm second in, out of like eight people. So get there early if you want to see it. Man, if I'd have been thinking, yeah. I'd have had me, I'd have, I'd have gotten me a Ron Gardenhire manager's uniform. And when it would have been time for the <laughs> hour to be over for the performer on the stage, I would have to get the hook. That's what we say was Come as the manager out. comes to the bullpen. Got, yep, he's getting the hook. Give the sign to the bullpen. That'd be awesome. Uh, in fact, uh, I should mention Dan Peters, kind enough to dig deep into the wallet to contribute to the South Dakota Symphony's education program. So thank you for that, Dan. Certainly. Uh, you, can, I have a couple of spots on my table left. If you still want to come and sit at my table tonight, just uh, let me know. Drop me an email or something, patrick at kso.com. You can call us. we got the phone lines are open, 338-KSOO, 338-5766. That's 5766. And uh, I wrote it down on my notes here. It's 5677. That's wrong. <laughs> no, That's wrong. no, 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 no. 338-KSOO. 338-KSOO. You can give us a call anytime during the show if you want to chat or whatever, if you want to come and attend tonight's event. Um, and uh, uh, I tell you, we've got those uh, phone lines open uh, for – we're going to start doing that on a regular basis if you want to call and drop us a note or whatever. Just tell us there's a car crash or what have you. Uh, but today we've got Republican – political consultant Tony Reese on the program, and he's going to be here to review. We're going to talk about all kinds of local, state, and national politics. Tony's always a great guest. He's, he, uh, he'll give it to you straight from his perspective. Uh, if you want to chat with Tony, um, give us a call, 338-KSOO. Uh, he'll be in in the 4 o'clock hour for the full hour, so we've got a lot of time to answer your questions. Uh, Tony and I got plenty to talk about, but we always like to hear from you, so mark that down. Uh, the smart cyclist, Michael Christensen, is in for Weird Friend of the Day, and he was just on a panel with a uh, very uh, well-known advocate for smart city planning, uh, a guy named Charles uh, Marone, and we talked a little bit about that last week. But he now has gone through that, and we'll uh, revisit that appearance and just sort of what the lessons were for Sioux Falls coming out of that deal. That'll be fun. And I'll have a PL statement just after the next break. Uh, I'm going back to trade. Uh, the president signed the big uh, trade tariffs today, and I don't know. I don't know. I'll talk about that after the break. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. 317 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. Everybody wants to live Are we going to get closer to free today or not? I don't know. You know, it's always dicey, isn't it? Just a little bit. Everybody needs a chance once in a while. Everybody wants to be closer to free. Uh, thanks to the Bodines for bringing us into today's PL statement. And, uh, you know, the legislature's wrapping up out there in Pier. And I've been trying to pay attention to that but you know it's really it's really sort of gotten boring i'm not gonna lie to you down to the last throws the last gasps out there in the legislature and uh you know in the end sound and fury signifying nothing i don't know i don't know we'll see not a lot of uh 
not a lot of, uh, you know, motive or, or, or uh, like energy to, to like bring forward anything um, new for this state of South Dakota. I don't really see any problem solving going on out there in any big way. Um, so we'll just let them pass for today. I'll, I'll have more to say about that. And, and Tony Reese will be in later and we'll talk about the legislature a little bit. We always go back to that. But no, today I want to talk about Washington. Washington. Good. Straight. <laughs> That's my dances with wolves drop for the day. <laughs> That's good. Uh, President Trump, of course, today uh, signed the tariffs on steel and aluminum. Aluminium. I'm going to start going with the British pronunciation, aluminium, because I think that's more appropriate. You know, what the heck. And uh, so 25% on steel, 10% on aluminium. And, uh, you know, he said, he says lots of things about this, and I, I just... I'm on the, you know, just right up front, I'm going to say it's a, I think it's a bad idea. It's a bad idea for a couple of different reasons. Um, now, he was saying today that we're going to, like, carve out some, some exceptions for our allies, Canada, Mexico, and Australia from the new tariffs. Um, but, you know, which, that's where we get our steel. Uh, so I don't know why the tariffs we're going to do anything anyway. Yes, China is selling steel cheaper than we sell steel around the world, but we don't buy steel from China. 2%. 2%. You know where China sells steel? Asia. You know what we just got out of? A deal with Asia, most of Asia. And I'm going to talk about that in a second. This these policies don't seem to have any like thought behind them. But the president said today, we're going to be very flexible. He said, as he hosted a morning cabinet meeting at the same time, we have some friends and some enemies where we have been tremendously taken advantage of over the years. So he said his, his tariff uh, would be tailored to exclude some countries and would give him the authority to raise or lower levies on a country-by-country basis and add or take countries off the list as he deems fit. He said, like Australia, which uh, imports more from America than it exports to the country. So if you've got, if you're on the one side of the ledger on the trade balance, you get t- you get tariffed. If you're on the other side, you don't get tariffed. You know, and. At the same time, he's talking about how Canada and Mexico, you know, they're our two biggest trade partners. And we are currently involved with trying to renegotiate NAFTA with them because the president hates it so much. So is he going to tariff the, the Canadian steel? Uh, you know, that wouldn't make any sense. Why are Canadians making steel cheaper than ours? Why are Mexicans making steel cheaper than ours? It's, this is all directed at China, and nobody thinks otherwise. But how is this going to make China do anything, anything other than, you know, stop buying our goods? And here's the deal, okay? The other side of this is 
that while we have gotten out of the former Trans-Pacific Partnership that would have allowed us to sell agricultural products at a cheaper price in much of Asia, not China, much of Asia, 11, 10 other nations besides us, so 10 basically Asian nations and Canada. We got out of that because Trump said he didn't like it. So he just said, we're not going into that deal because they were in the middle of negotiating it. And NAFTA is terrible. It's the worst deal ever. Unless, of course, you're in the agriculture business in South Dakota, then it was the best deal ever. So what happened now is that those countries that we were in the TPP with, they have signed their own agreement. And that covers 500 million people that were potential markets for us for agriculture products that basically went up in a puff of smoke. And yeah, uh, Trump says he's going to negotiate with all these countries individually, and our delegation has put a lot of uh, hope behind that, but, you know, I'm not seeing it. So this is, a, this is a paragraph from a New York Times story I read today. The new agreement, known as the Comprehensive and Progressive Agreement for Trans-Pacific Partnership, drops ter- tariffs drastically and establishes sweeping new trade rules in markets that represent about a seventh of the world's economy a seventh of the world's economy. It opens more markets to free trade in agriculture products and digital services around the region, while American beef, that's us, faces 38.5% tariffs in Japan, for example, beef from Australia, New Zealand, and Canada will not. So we're out of the Japanese market, basically. We're going in the wrong direction. This isn't going to revive the American steel industry, the tariffs and renegotiating NAFTA and getting out of TPP. It's not going to bring any jobs back, and it's going to cripple others. This is going to just put the ball right in the Chinese court. Okay, China's not in this new agreement, but they don't have to be because they are going to be the primary trading partner with the other 10 nations. That's where they're going to get their steel. Protectionism has never worked economically. Tariffs never work for the economy. There may be other reasons, political or defense or what have you, punitive for reasons that don't have anything to do with economics, but that's not it in this case. It's a bombastic punch to say you're doing something for the manufacturing sector when you're not. Global trade is is trade. You don't have trade without global trade. We have to do whatever we can to be competitive. We don't invest in our education system or our workforce ever. We call that we call that welfare. The biggest thing Trump has done for American business was reducing the corporate tax rate. That was a good thing that made us more competitive and keep business in the United States. But it's not going to help manufacturing tariffs. It won't help manufacturing and tariffs won't either. One of the reasons we lost manufacturing jobs was to automation, which contributed to a higher level of productivity. It's not the entire reason, but it's part of it. The base component of the free market, as you know, in its rawest form is the power of competition. We know that. That means we need to be leaner and meaner and smarter than our competitors. 
The president's rhetoric and action on tariffs is panned by economists and business and most Republicans. It's an incredibly bad idea that only steps on his own mission. And as I've said many times, this threatens the very core of the economy in South Dakota. I see no reassurance for markets, for corn, soybeans, pork, beef, chicken. There's nothing in there. We're not hearing anything. So I'm concerned for our economy. And I don't think tariffs are going to get us, are only going to take us backwards, not forwards. That's the bottom line on today's PL statement. You can agree or disagree. Drop me a note, Patrick at KSO.com. Follow us on Twitter at P. Lally Show and converse with us there or on Facebook Live. Coming up after the break, we're going to chat with uh, Michael Christensen, the smart cyclist. Oh, we're going to make this a better city yet. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. 334 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. I could never pretend that I don't love you. You could never pretend that I'm your man. That's exactly the way that I want it. It's exactly the way that I am. And you call me in the morning with your troubles. Taking it downtown every night. I could never place the stars at night above. Got my hands on the ground and you know I'm right. You ain't so long. Uh, Wait So Long by Trampled by Turtles, and I've, uh, every time I play it, I say, I just can't stop. I can never cut into it. It's too, it's too good, and it's appropriate, which we'll get to in a minute here, because my guest is Michael Christensen. The smart cyclist is with us in studio today for well, what I think is going to be an extended appearance. Good afternoon. Because, yeah, well, thanks for being here, Michael. I really appreciate it. So uh, we've waited so long for uh, some good urban planning. That's what we're going to get to in a minute. Awesome. See how I, I just thought, I thought about that just in my head just now. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to make it sound like I planned it that way. Uh, but Michael joins us most Thursdays too. And we talk about a lot of different stuff regarding transportation. And yes, we do. Cycling and stuff. But you, uh, last week when you were here, we just chatted a little bit about how you were going to be on this panel. Um, uh, that was about uh, with Chuck Marone with uh, Stronger Strong Towns, right? Strong Towns, correct. And so tell us uh, about Mr. Marone and how this panel went. It was sponsored by Downtown Sioux Falls. It was last Tuesday during the middle of a blizzard. Yes. And uh, how, how'd it go? It was, it, was, it was good. It was really fun. His, what he talks about is right up my alley. Um, uh, and what he talks about is kind of hard to swallow for a lot of people. So the room wasn't exactly, not everybody was nodding along saying, <laughs> yeah, this is great. A lot of people were like, oh, really? Um, but yeah, the room was full of people, plenty of people there for the weather. Um, I actually, there weren't any, I didn't see any empty chairs. So, and a lot of, uh, couple, couple candidates, couple actually sitting counselors actually one sitting counselor you had him on yesterday yeah, Greg, Greg Nitzer. Nitzer. Yeah. he was on the panel of four that i sat on so that was kind of fun to and another freak, it people. was like the patrick lally all-stars up there because <laughs> jody schwan also was on the panel it was and and the fourth being chuck marone yeah. which he's not an all-star yet but he should be yeah well you know we tried to get him on the pro we just couldn't make the schedules work right because he was very busy when he was here um we're gonna get him on soon in oh, the cool. next couple of weeks oh cool because it's it's not like the issues are going away right 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 but tell us 
what was the focus of this panel? What's his message? His message um, of his particular presentation, he has he has a few broad messages because he's a strong towns and whatever makes a strong town is is in his realm. But his message to this room was neighborhoods first. And his his biggest theme, his strongest theme was incremental development. And he kind of describes a few ways of what that means and why that makes your community resilient. Such as? Um well, he had an example of a of two blocks. So he's from Brainerd. Mm-hmm. That's where he lives and works. Um, he had an example of two blocks in Brainerd. Um, started out with the blocks were the same. They had five or six businesses. Um, I, I think in my mind, you're, we're talking like a block like where the Mercado is mm-hmm. on uh, 12th Street, yep. where you know you got five or six, boom, 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 mm-hmm. close, close business, simple buildings. Um, a lot of the buildings downtown are like that. Um, and two identical blocks, both looking kind of run down, kind of blighted. Shabby. Shabby. Uh, and so one of the blocks, they leveled it and put up a Taco John's. Boom. Taco John's done. Block full of asphalt, Taco John's. And- Look what we did. Our city, a Taco John's. And he, he studied. Not, uh, just for, I love potato lace. This is, you bet. It got nothing to do with Taco John's necessarily, but go ahead. Right. A restaurant, <laughs> a fast food restaurant. How about that? Um, and, uh, but you do the study of that. And what you find is the, the business, the block with the five or six businesses is worth a million dollars to the city in tax revenue. Um, the block with the fast food restaurant worth $600,000 of tax revenue to the city. Because you actually took buildings away. You took actual value off the lot. Right. Even though it was, if it was maybe dilapidated. Right. Right. Looking old, that kind of thing. Um, And so, yeah, when you talk about economic opportunities for your city, do that math, pay attention to that $400,000 because this is what you're missing out on. Um, Well, then he, then he presented us with, so in this process of sharing this information, which of course isn't popular information, people said, okay, Mr. Smarty Pants, what would you do? And this is, this is how this gets into the theme of what you and I often talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, he identified, they identified eight things in their city, in that area that they would do to improve the potential for the five or six blighted-ish block to improve its opportunities to, to build, to have mm-hmm. business, to have increased business. Maintain, at least maintain right. a level of, that's not, you know, you don't want dilapidated, you don't want dilapidated buildings. You don't want uh, blight. Right. You want to present the opportunity for these owners to add value to their property by updating and increasing. And so the, the, so he came up with eight things. Five or six of them are treatments to roads to make it easier to walk in that area, to make it easier to bike in that area, and to make it safer to drive in that area. So take, take your four lanes with a turning lane down the center and turn it into a two-lane road and bike lanes and and the safety there increases for everybody um take um he he observed that they they went to the area to see how people move around in the community and there's kids walking down the alley mm-hmm. and well why 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 the alley why not the sidewalks well our parents say walk in the alley it's safer there and 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 do you remember yeah. when it was safer to be on the roads and the alleys were the scary places. <laughs> the dark corners of the alley. Don't mind there. Don't mind that guy sleeping back there. Yeah. So he noted that shift. And so if you're if you're walking, if your business is facing the street, if if you're if your people are on the street, then it's safer and 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 make it and help that opportunity happen. A couple other things like his his focus on that to improve that business block of six businesses included like making a park 
raising the coverage of the trees in the park so that you could see through them and into the park, which then gives a perception, better perception of safety, makes the area more pleasant to be around. Mm -hmm. So just drawing people into that area and trying to find reasons to draw people into that area then increases the opportunity, the audience for the businesses that they then they can start getting more customers and, and perhaps improve. And it maintains your tax base. That's, it maintains your tax base, yeah. It, it, and it promotes neighborhood growth rather than flight. Right. And and what I say with what we do with Falls Area Bicyclists, in mm-hmm. which we're board members, and what I spend lots of my time on because that's where I think my talent is, is, is we – is I present, hey, let's go out there and let's be out there and let's let's be those people on the street that those businesses need. Um, so let's encourage in the city riding. And so mm-hmm. so that's to me, that's kind of my piece of what he's presenting there with the talk with the, that problem. But and I, it should be pointed out the stuff that we talk about a lot um, and others uh, in terms of uh, bike commuting and these sorts of things. It's not necessarily just about riding a bike it is being a piece of a solution and a long-term sustainability of a city right i mean just not just it's not all about the bike is land right or maybe he did say it's all about the bike i can't remember lance armstrong but it's that not all about the bike it's about cities that are sustainable at their core right right and yeah lots of lots of Lots of my urban riding and even group in group ridings is you know let's go so let's go to this business and let's 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 all stop here and let's give them twenty more customers than they had than yeah. they expected um, and let's prove that you can get here by bike and let's demonstrate that yeah. so we're going to come right back and talk more with Michael Christensen the smart cyclist about uh, Chuck Marone's visit last week from or was this week it was this week from Strong wow. Towns it was Tuesday wasn't it, it was, yes it was it was Tuesday it was just recently. Uh, with Chuck Marone from Strong Towns and brought by downtown, downtown Sioux Falls and what the lessons are for the city of Sioux Falls going forward. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 347 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. I was born in the Dublin street where the loyal runs do be and the loving English people walked all over us and every single night when the child would come home tonight all right that that silliness has gone on long enough we return to our conversation with Michael Christensen. I, I got to say that uh, I noticed a little green creeping into my playlist collection yeah. in my library. Nice. So Nice. Let it spread. Let the rebel song <laughs> spread. People sometimes get the, you can play the, you can just play Irish drinking songs. You know, it's like you go out and you can find these two records. One's called Irish drinking songs. Okay. One's called Irish rebel songs. So you can sort of pick what you want. Some pretty good collection there, huh? Yeah. Well, this is Irish descendants. <laughs> old version of come out, you black and tans. Uh, actually, uh, on that theme, I know I'm going to watch uh, "The Wind That Shakes the Barley" this weekend. It's a great movie. Okay. Uh, if do you watch Peaky Blinders at all? I've only heard show? of it. The guy who's the lead in Peaky Blinders was the lead character in "The Wind That Shakes the Barley." It's about okay. you know 1920s Ireland. Anyway, cool. Uh, speaking of sustainability, yes. Um, so we've been talking about the uh, uh, panel with uh, Charles Marone. 
from Strong Towns that was on Monday. We've decided it was on Monday. Monday. That's good. Uh, and you were on it. Um, and we were going through this example about Brainerd and tax prop- property values and that kind of thing. Um, but what does that mean for Sioux Falls? What, we're growing like crazy. What, what did he say about us? Um, what he said about us is, um, I'm going to use your words during the break, that, that um, we're growing like crazy right now and that all feels good, but Chuck Charles goes around, Chuck goes around to all these towns that are actually struggling. They're broke. They're bankrupt. We need help. Come help us. He goes, he looks at it, he studies them. And so what he brings to us is, I've studied all these cities, I've studied all these broke towns, here's what I wish would be different so that you can avoid what they're falling into. And so he observes the growth, the suburban the suburban sprawl, oh yeah, that all feels great, but guess what, you build, you build, that, um, you build that apartment building and, and it's done. Everything we build right now is, is built and it's complete and it's done. And so everything in that building is going to break at the same time. All that infrastructure is going to break at the same time. Now that's same time relative, but you look at your growth of, your, of Sioux Falls over the last 20 years, mm-hmm. that bill will come due in 25 years for maintenance, um, to replace all that stuff, to replace all those dishwashers, to replace all those microwaves, to replace all that siding, all those roofs. Um, and, and so if you're over invested in that, then, then you're going to run into the problems of the towns of the cities that are, that are broke. And, and, and certainly there are people in those broke cities that 25 years ago were like, Oh, look at us grow. We're good. And so what he brings, what he wants to remind us is that incremental development is a good thing to remember for cities to do. And what incremental building means, what incremental development means is, is for example, um, you're a homeowner and you come into tough times and, and, and so what do you do? You need more income. You add a place for someone to stay to, onto your house, onto your building. And so now you, you, so you give yourself a roommate, a, land, mm-hmm. a tenant, a tenant. And, and so now, now you can get through this tough time because you were able to add this onto your house and now you have a tenant. And then the next increment from that, you, you get a bunch of money and because you have a tenant and now you, you're making some money. So then you buy the building next door and then you have another tenant and now you can make a twin home or a duplex or, or a three thing, a three tenant thing. Um, and you increment your growth that way. And, and that spreads the wealth to entrepreneur type people. Um, it spreads the maintenance bill over time instead of all at once. Um, and it, and it, and, and it actually would serve to dense, make your city more dense. And now, yes, lots of people cringe at the word density. Um, truth about density. One of the truths about density is bus service is much better when you have density, when the bus stops mm-hmm. and there's an audience of a hundred people, to get that could possibly get on as opposed to 10, five, mm-hmm. two people that might get on if you're talking Sertoma and 26th street. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, so lots of those kind of services work better. And then, and then you got a bus service that's worth it. And then poor people can move around and, and people who can't drive can move around and people who don't want to drive and want to text on their phone instead can move around. Um, and so incremental development there. Um, and he, one of his main things, this was really fun because there was kind of some discomfort, right? You talk about density and uh, we don't like that. We don't want that in our neighborhoods. Well, maybe there's a neighborhood that actually 
does come into hard times and does need to be redone and does want to go this route, does the city stand in its way? Does the city have things in place that says, no, you can't do that? Um, even though you're the landowner, no, you can't do that. And so let's talk about perhaps looking at that and getting the city out of the way for to somebody who wants to do that so that those economic opportunities can be there. Are we doing any of that? Um, I would tend to say that the idea is out there, but I don't know and maybe probably not very much. Um, I know that I know that the city councilor on the panel, Greg, was um, wanted to say yes, 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 but it seemed like he fell silent after a little bit in that conversation. So I think maybe to a point he could say yes. But maybe when once we got all the way there, of course he would have to answer for that. I'm, I might be just making right. stuff up. So, but yeah, it seems to me in the, in the time we have left that the notion of density is frightening to people for mm-hmm. whatever reason. For a particular class of people that is driving the expansion of our city, and there isn't any resistance to that uh, to, right, the, right. to less density. Right. Um, there are a few people doing some things and there is some redevelopment with more dense if like in Pettigrew Heights there is the redevelopment there tends to be more dense than the old stuff yes so some of that is good but you know we did just put up a a come and go where a whole bunch of businesses used to be you know but that's a private decision I you know it's a it's a really hard thing and I don't know that we have those voices but maybe this is a start yeah so let's talk about those voices right Quickly. So, so I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm one voice of a panel of four, right? And as yep. soon as I introduce myself as the bicyclist, they think they know what they have. They have a freak bicyclist who just wants everybody to ride their bike everywhere. Mm-hmm. So then they can ignore the rest of what I talk about and think about. And, and they're legit. They're fine with that. So what the city, I think, needs is an effort similar to what I do, but, you know, that pays attention to pedestrian, cycling, density, moving, strong towns. We're going to talk about that more with Michael Christensen when he returns next week on this weird friends uh thanks for being here michael say yes yes thank you for having me this is the patrick lally show information 1000 ksoo a public service announcement with guitar coming up on the second hour of the patrick lally show stay with us tony reese republican political consultant we're going to talk about all kinds of good stuff that's all coming up next on the information 1000 ksoo Four oh six on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. And I give you the pogues. Which has nothing to do with our next guest, other than to just you know raise the level of excitement in the room. Mr. Tony Reese. Tony is of course uh, a regular guest on this program. A, uh, we just call him a Republican political consultant, I think, is the fair, is the, uh, the title that we've gone with for you, is it not? It is. I'm also a, uh, a Kesha enthusiast, cotton candy enthusiast. Oh. I've got to. <laughs> there's this great place um, that exists in Iowa that make, I've talked about this before, craft cotton candy, yeah. specialty cotton candy. Yeah. Next time I'm on, I, uh, I should order some. They've got one fantastic, I think I talked about the Trump hair flavor. is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta have like a a sample testing. You should. Yeah, I'm gonna order. I'll order some. That'd I'll be order great. Some of them. A sample pack. Yeah, I'll, they do I'll that. Come, they do. They do. Where I'll is this in Iowa? Just, 
I think it's out of Des Moines. It's a place called I. Well, they're not paying you, so I don't know if I should mention their name. All right. all right, I think it's called Chocolate Storybook. Um, I've learned about it. A friend had posted something on Instagram and took a picture of the tub of Trump hair cotton candy, and said, uh, "Oh my gosh, it's completely real." And I wrote <laughs> on there. Would you pick me some up? <laughs> um, and three, three days later, I had two tubs, and it only lasted about a day and a half. Oh, my God. That's how much I love spun burnt sugar. That's <laughs> <laughs> sad. Um, but that's the beauty of this show and the, 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 you know, the, the sort of diversity of guests we have here is that not only do they bring different social and political and economic viewpoints to the table, also many different kinds of confectionery. That's true. So there you go. I like that. Um, speaking of Trump, by the way, Tony. No, first, let's wait a minute. We got to go back to this first. How's, how's the baby? It's good. Like good. we're up to how many weeks now? Less than a month, but more than one. <laughs> <laughs> it's all a blur. It's all a blur. It's all Tony. a blur. Um, and your lovely wife, Elizabeth, she is good. She's doing, everybody's doing, uh, doing well. Uh, the older sister who will be two at the end of the uh, month is, uh, Taken to being an older sister quite well. She, I know this is great for radio, but I'm using finger quotes. Yep. She reads to uh, to the infant, um, and really, that's just pointing out pictures she sees. <laughs> well, um, that's something. But it is something, and yeah. that's and that's good. And she uh, she's really affectionate to her. So, yeah, that's awesome. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to signal this is bad radio too. I'm trying to <laughs> signal to my Uber producer Dan Peters, and I can't do it very well enough. That we need another set of headphones. <laughs> there, there we go. Um, the uh, uh, so that's great, great news. Thank you very much for the update on the family. We love that. Uh, but let's get back to Trump. Speaking of uh, babies, no, that's that didn't make any that's sense. Speak, whatsoever. I thought you were going to say speaking of families. Yeah, uh, let's go to the first one. The first family. There you go. Thanks for pulling me out of that. You're um, welcome. So the the president today um, signed the tariff, the steel and aluminium. Uh, tariffs you're a you're a mainline republican dude what do you think of this you know to be honest i haven't paid that close of attention to the whole tariff issue um and just sort of thinking about because it, it all relates to his sort of you know economic populism and his his uh sort of trade protectionism and if this is all sort of just an opening negotiation to renegotiate a lot of trade deals, I think it's a, a strong opening negotiation point, a good negotiation point, too, because we do, as Republicans and you know, as Americans, we do want free trade. Free trade does benefit us, but we also want that the trade needs to be free and fair at the at the same time. How is the trade not fair? Because well, I don't think people. I mean, that's it's one thing to say that, but what does that mean? So, in certain trade agreements that were that were proposed um, that that think the president removed us from on TPP. day one TPP um, intellectual property protections were not up to standard for what they are in the United States. And so I think that anytime we go into a trade agreement, the United States should basically on a lot of the rules, especially intellectual property, because we have a lot of that here, that should be the standard. That should be the standard on free trade agreements or on trade agreements that if you're going to trade with, the United States, you've got to bring your intellectual property, at least protect our intellectual property that's being developed or built in your country. Um, you've got to protect that and keep that up to the standards of the United States. And when there's infringements, you've got to enforce force the rules on, on that. But that's not what he talks about. That's not what he talks about. That's my perspective oh, on it. And so that's one area where I think um, trade issues can be 
can be re renegotiated. Just to be clear, you're not defending. I'm not defending the tariffs. Right, I'm, right. I haven't paid close attention. I'm not. I'm not in a steel market. The most aluminum I well, buy comes twelve at a time. Yeah. Uh, Say <laughs> <laughs> it. That's the way it is for most people, and that's what I don't understand about this. Okay, throwing down the gauntlet against China on steel, which we've been complaining about cheap Chinese steel for a long time, but we don't buy any cheap Chinese steel. But what it does is depresses the market for steel for us to export. But I don't see how this is going to make China change their attitudes on, for instance, intellectual property, which they do not protect. In fact, China is the place where most intellectual property is stolen. Mm -hmm. I mean, down to just like movies and stuff. Um, But how is... This isn't going to hurt them. It's not going to hurt China. It's going to hurt Canada and Mexico. I'm not an international trade expert. It's, it's, a, it's a tough issue, um, you know, to, to wrap your head around. You're right. I don't know. I don't see how it, you know, hurts China really in the end. But, you know, there were reports that, you know, part of the renegotiation of CAFTA and NAFTA that uh, Mexico and Mm-hmm. In Canada, two of our greatest trading partners would the, be exempt. Not the two of the greatest, the two greatest. That's well. That's that's yeah. probably that's that is true. That which, they are the two. Which greatest. gets us back to NAFTA, which is probably a bigger deal for us. Um, we're in the middle of renegotiating NAFTA, which the president called the worst deal ever. Uh, how do? And I don't expect you to defend that either. But how do our congressional delegation walk this line? Because NAFTA is very good for us. But I'm not hearing anything from them saying, other than NAFTA is good, I've been reminding the president NAFTA is good. But they're not taking a stand. NAFTA has been fantastic for South Dakota. It's enriched us. Yeah, it's, it's a good, and I guess I would say one, one trade program is good for one state out of 50. It may not be good for you know a lot of other states. I remember when NAFTA and CAFTA and the whole all of the AFTA family um, <laughs> were first being introduced and uh, and talked about. It, they had labor unions up in arms over yeah. over this because it wasn't necessarily a good deal for you know the labor unions and then the folks who are you know building our tangibles, our vehicles, our you know dishwashers, our yeah. washing machines. I don't know if we no, uh, others are tariff on washing machines too. I'm not sure. No, anymore. but it, in NAFTA but, there was a lot of of manufacturing that did go to Mexico. Right, right, and so. You know, and we don't do we do manufacturing in the state, but it's we're not a huge manufacturing state. I mean, we're not in Indiana or Pennsylvania. We're not one of the big ones mm-hmm. um, that do it, but it certainly has helped the ag economy where we are far and away um, one of the top producers yeah. in the in the country. So, um, if you so have, it's, it's a it's a tough situation when you when you've got a, a you know a union of fifty independent governments that are also trading with foreign countries under you know, the sort of the national trade agreements um, and those trade agreements can be more beneficial than one state over another. Um, it's a tough, it's a tough area for folks to, uh, you know, to be in and not being from a swing state. Um, we get ignored. We sometimes we do, but at the same time for as small as we are to have as many uh, folks from our federal delegations, both past and present, Rise to the ranks of leadership says something about the quality of people that we are sending. Yeah, to well, Washington. somebody should be should be raising a stink. That's all I'm saying. No, I and I don't disa- I, I, I don't necessarily disagree. I with went you. To, I went looking for the stink, thinking I had missed it. Can't find it. There's no stink out there. Wait a minute. I don't know where we're going. <laughs> um, if you want to talk to Tony, uh, Tony Reese, Republican political consultant and confectionery aficionado, um, 
and also sweaters, which you're not wearing today. Well, it's starting to become spring. The yeah, sun, the sun is out. We got some melting going yeah. on. I so, had a fantastic one on yesterday. Uh, maybe we can get a picture up on the Twitter feed. Anyway, <laughs> um, go ahead and call three three eight KSOO. That's three three eight five seven six six five seven six six. And we'll talk about politics if you've got a question, or me, or Tony, or you just want to add your two cents. We'll do that. Coming back right after the break, we'll actually head off into uh, some South Dakota stuff. How's that sound? That sounds great. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. The clouds will blow away. 421 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Maybe I won't feel so afraid. We bring it down a little bit for our guest, Tony Reese. Soothe some nerves here a little bit. Real quick. I will try to understand either way. Maybe you still love me, maybe you don't. Let you folks listen to a little Wilco there for a second while we take care of something. I I wouldn't leave you hanging. I wouldn't leave you hanging. Tony, are you a, a Wilco fan at all? Not opposed to Wilco. Okay, well that's it, good. Uh, it does it does soothe the soul and brings us because I thought that would be appropriate because now we're going to talk about some bare knuckle politics. It's about it's about to happen, I think, in this state for sure. <laughs> it is uh, the primaries. Um, so we've got two big primaries coming up. Governor with Jackley and Gnome. And I mean, if you want to throw, I'm not going to. Jackley and Gnome. <laughs> and then. It's and, your show. And some other people. And then uh, uh, on the House side, you got uh, uh, Chantel Krebs, Secretary of State, and Dusty Johnson, former Public Utilities Commissioner, former uh, Chief of Staff to the Governor. Um, let's start with, you pick, which one you want to start with? Um, which one's more bare knuckles at this point? I, I think it's the governor. I'm going to take. I'll I'll, I'll take well, you out of that. We'll go right. with governor. Thank, thank you for relieving yeah. the pressure yeah, on. Thanks. Me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know it was a tough question. It I was it. It was probably the toughest question I've had all day. <laughs> so the uh, it this is getting pretty serious now um, because we're only a couple months from the primary. They're both got plenty of cash, although Christie's got more because she had more coming in. Um, is this going to get? ugly at all do you feel i mean they're both experienced people with a with a solid message but christy has i would seem to me a more experienced and uh aggressive campaign staff um are they going to start like lobbing some serious missiles in this bad boy i don't know you know i don't know who's going to strike first yeah um when it comes down to it um but i, I think your assessment is right that uh you know running um, for the House back in 2010 against a uh, popular sitting uh, Congresswoman Stephanie Herza Sandlin um, really did sort of uh, temper uh, Christy Nome and her campaign staff to a different kind of politics and a different kind of campaign that you might experience running for one of the constitutional um, offices. Not saying that you know running a statewide campaign is a is an animal into itself, but it 
I don't think that uh, the attorney general has seen um, something that's going to be as competitive as this primary um, has, whereas Christie has got some experience in in uh, having a fairly competitive primary in 2010 and and uh, you know defeating um, you know Blake Kurd and uh, former Secretary of State and current PUC Commissioner Chris Nelson, and then going on to ride the wave in 2010 to defeat, like I said, a popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blue Dog Democrat, Chris, uh, Stephanie Hersa Sandlin. Um, that said, um, I have seen a lot of uh, activity uptick from the Jackley campaign. It's been sort of a steady drip of endorsements uh, from key influential people around the state that have been coming out um, almost on a weekly basis, if not more. He's got a TV ad out that's a pretty decent, uh, pretty decent ad. Uh, where he focuses on the on the issues, um, and does not feel the need to have to reintroduce himself to the state. Of him. He's been attorney general uh, for well, eight to ten years. Well, and he's used. I mean, let's be frank. It's not. This is not a uh, trying to say uh, reveal anything. He's been using the office to ma- to raise his profile. Now, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but. As attorney general, he's been maybe... His profile's been raised because of the office, yeah. Yeah, but he has been maybe a little higher profile attorney general than attorney general's past even, in that uh, he's gotten involved with, I think, more national uh, level issues, signing on to legislation or uh, uh, bringing, uh, trying to, or, you know, just uh, not legislation, but uh, the, the, positions. Yeah, the positions and the briefs that yes. uh, go before the Supreme Court. It seems like lawsuits. he's done a way more of that than we have in the past. Yeah, I would say that w- that's a you know a fair assessment, and it certainly does help give him some uh, policy chops, I would say, beyond just the prosecutorial nature of uh, South Dakota's top cop, which is, you know, good because, you know, crime and law enforcement are all all good talking points for a campaign, mm-hmm. but to be able to, you know, say that, you know, we signed on to this, uh, you know, name your policy here, he'll be able to go back and say, you know, I was part of that. And I well, Obamacare. Sure that I yep, the Obamacare. Uh, abortion. Um, yep. I mean, it's, there's several of them. Yep. This, Gun uh, rights. The, the, the tax thing with the, uh, uh, the, the Main Street Fairness tax. Uh, you know, it's, it's a good thing that he, he's able to go back and say, that he's done these things and that they do have sort of a legislative bend to them a little bit. And that would be one area where he was probably lacking in um, some kind of experiences, sort of that legislative and, and law creating bend and going into different policy avenues. So it was probably a wise move for him uh, to sign on to all of those suits and, and take those positions. Do you think that his, he has, I see Christie's staff as being, you mentioned it earlier, pretty, experienced and battle tested does jack lee have those kind of people around him i think he's got those kind of people around him the the folks that i know that are are working with jack lee uh you know are known commodities in republican politics in this state and they've done a lot to advance the conservative cause and the and the republican cause um you know in the state and you know they've got you know tons of campaign experience uh experience as well cool we're going to come right back and talk more with Tony Reese, Republican political consultant. Uh, you can talk to Tony if you want, 338-KSOL, 338-5766. We'll be right back after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters. We'll talk about the house race. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. 436 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000. Trampled by turtles. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I'm waiting. Uh, Trampled by Turtles have a new record out, and I'm waiting for them to come back. They've been here three, four times. And you Trampled by Turtles fan, Tony Reese? I heard some banjo in there, and I'm uh, not opposed. I actually do enjoy some good bluegrass. Oh, well, um, then you are in the I've, right uh, place. I have uh, I have spent plenty of time in, in central and southern Missouri. I say <laughs> Missouri because I don't know where it's okay to say Missouri. Um, and they, uh, it's a lot of good bluegrass down there. Yeah, I a love lot bluegrass. of fun stuff. And uh, these guys are from Duluth, so but they're, they're good. You should catch yeah. them next time they're in town. It's a high energy presentation. It sounded. It sounds like it. Well, anytime you got the banjo in there too, yeah, it's just a go. lot of fun. A uh, lot of banjo going around these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I think we should credit Steve Martin for that. He's got, <laughs> That's uh, right. The yeah. the high canyon drifters or whatever. It yeah, is. something like that. He's so, a rambling guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk about the house race. We talked about the uh, uh, governor's primary, the house primary, Chantel Krebs and Dusty Johnson. Uh, that's another. That's another SmackDown. Um, the it seems like, um, in my from my perspective, Chantel's really trying to be the uh, very conservative candidate in that race. Is that my am I am I getting that right? I would say that she is definitely um, running to the right uh, in the in the race and trying to occupy that. That space, whereas uh, Dusty is kind of going sort of the more moderate Republican um, route. That said, um, I think it was after the State of the Union, uh, I did see an email from Dusty Johnson saying that President Trump needs his help. Um, so I think that perhaps the Krebs uh, strategy of, you know, embracing the president, uh, you know, maybe working. And uh, I think maybe the Johnson folks maybe realize that. And, it is a Republican primary, after all. It is a Republican primary, and the uh, the president is still quite popular in this state. And mm-hmm. and so, uh, you know, embracing, you know, him and for, you know, all of his, you know, people, you know, said he's got some character flaws or just his way of doing things. Um, put that aside for Republicans. A lot of his policies are, you know, right down the road path for uh, Republican victories and except things for trade, that, um, except for trade, <laughs> we've been over trade. The we had a call in the break. Uh, by the way, if you want to talk to Tony Reese or me, and you just want to give your two cents about the primaries or anything else in politics right now, three three eight KSO. That's three three eight five seven six six. And we had a caller uh, who didn't want to go on the air. It's commercial. Uh, who was asking if we were at the U.S. House Forum they had today over at the Country Club of Sioux Falls? And of course, neither one of us were there because. We have jobs. Uh, but there apparently there was a forum with Dusty and uh, uh, Chantel and Bjorkman. Uh, and Tapio. And Tapio. And Tapio. They let Tapio in the building. He wasn't in, it's the last week of session. Well, it's budget time. He's been gone a lot. <laughs> Let's just say that. the uh, uh, And uh, that would have been fun to watch, but we weren't there. But we will start seeing more of this head-to-head now, and that's going to probably change the calculus a little bit because it's all it's all so far it's just been you and i talking and press releases and endorsements you start putting them on the stage together and things can get pretty hot pretty fast yeah i would say so and that's when that's what everybody in the media need to have their mics ready mm-hmm. um especially if tapio's there <laughs> no comment <laughs> um but yeah i think i think you're i think you're absolutely right i think that you know uh, coming up to it's going to come to a head. It's also going to be, I think, a sprint to the finish for a lot of the, a lot of the folks to uh, you know get their petitions circulated and 
and, and signed on. I think if you haven't done that by now, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Get it together. You think I want to elect somebody to Congress who has is struggling to get two thousand names or whatever it is? We don't know the number. Yeah, but uh, it's not that hard. Is no, it? it's not. It's not that hard. You should if you're running. If you're running at that level. Uh, you should be able to get the get the signatures. Or, you know, if you're like me and you've just got a uh, fundamental opposition to uh, circulating petitions, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Um, so you you're know, never going to be on the ballot, is what I, you're saying? No, not, not unless I uh, you run for secretary of state and then change the system and then run for something. Because <laughs> um, I don't think you've got to circulate no. petitions to be secretary of state. You just have to go through a convention process. The uh, uh, Speaking of Neil Tapio, though, um, if he gets in the race, and I, personally I'm still doubting that he will, uh, he, of course, from Watertown, state senator who is – uh, pushing all the anti-Islam legislation. If he gets in the race, how does it change it? I think if he, if he gets in the race, if he gets his petitions gathered, um, he doesn't get a significant amount of votes. But I think the um, I think he ends up scraping more votes from from Krebs than he does from from Johnson um, on that. But I don't think that he's got a consequential amount of votes that are going to be that's my question though do we what is the how well does that message permeate because it's i'm not discounting it at all the 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 fear of islam and islamic you know islamist terrorists uh, as he calls them uh and just generally the fear of of sharia law and all that stuff that's going around how does that resonate in South Dakota, in the Republican Party, among the Republicans that I associate with, and well, no, no, and no, no, in no, the party, oh, I, I, I'll yeah. get that. It doesn't resonate well um, among the, the the Republican group that I um, associate with and, and talk with on a regular basis. Um, you know, unfortunately, even resonating a little bit um, on unfounded fears uh, is too much. And so, if it's even resonating mm-hmm. a little bit, it's uh, you know, it's it's far too much. I mean. At that, you know, the same token, if we can just, you know, remove the religion of Islam from it and just say, okay, well, we're going to start, you know, practicing Lutheran law, um, you know, in, in, the, in the state or, you know, or, or Catholic law yeah, and say, well, no, no, no meat on Fridays ever. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, we, we use that, you know, to be ridiculous, but I don't think, you know, that people would say, oh, that's silly. That would never happen, you know, here in a mostly, you know, Judeo-Christian founded country, but it's got secular uh, laws, and that's how it should be applied. And so I just don't, I think that people who've got a fear of Sharia being sort of the law of the land, those fears are unfounded. You know, I I tend to agree with you that within the Republican Party, and those are people who are going to vote, registered Republican voters, that it's not a huge percentage, but it could take votes from Krebs. But I would say if you surveyed the independents only, and people always think independents are moderates, and in South Dakota, that's just not the truth. Some of them are, or they're apolitical, or that you know they're not. But some of them are just very, very conservative. Oh, that's true. That's the that's the biggest thing I think that the Republicans um, have sometimes missed the point on is embracing the independents because you know a lot of them, like you said, think oh they're just you know squishy moderates or they're secret liberals. Um, but a lot of them are conservative and, you know, they might be fed up with 
party politics for one reason or another. I mean, they might be registering as an independent because they don't want to be in the same party as Lindsey Graham mm -hmm. or Mitch McConnell. It has nothing mm -hmm. to do locally with the local Republican Party or the people that we're electing. And so I think that a, a strategy to do some greater outreach to independents um, to kind of bring them back into the fold here at a state level um, would be wise. I certainly do. don't want them to vote in primaries. The Republicans are still very resistant to the idea of opening the primaries. That's uh, that's true, and I've got some different ideas on on the way primary systems in the yeah. in the state, uh, you know, in the state work. But uh, you know, as it stands now, it is the rule. The, the rules are the rules, yeah. and I think it's their party. I, it, they, it, can, it, they can cry if they want to. You, they they can, but I think the the tide may be turning on that with the uh, that uh, federal court ruling that we haven't been treating mm -hmm. the third parties or the minority parties, as I sometimes like to call them, because there's more than just one, mm -hmm. um, haven't been treating them well into ballot access. And so I think that if the, you know, it would be wise for the state to start to look proactively at, you know, warding off expensive lawsuits by slowly changing some of our election laws when it deals to primaries and ballot access, just the lawsuits are expensive and they drag on forever and ever and they get to be dirty and political and the more we can open up uh you know ballot access to to folks um that are you know legally here to vote or uh different parties i think you mm -hmm. know the better competition is good it should for be, business it, it's good for politics too it should be easier to vote in a primary of your choice not not every you can't vote in both of them no but it should be easier to say i want to be in this primary this time yeah i don't uh, i don't disagree with that assessment uh at all we're going to come right back and we'll talk more about uh well we might talk a little bit about rapid city talking about conservatives we'll get to that here in just a second with tony reese republican political consultant on the patrick lally show information 1000 kso and we're back on the patrick lally show well there it is what happened there we had a little uh little gaff but there it is more will call for our guest, Tony Reese, Republican political consultant. More will call for you. Well, it calms you, calms you down on a, on a Thursday. That's right. <laughs> Every once in a while, he's got to take it down. More will call Sky Blue Sky. My favorite will call record, Sky Blue Sky, which most people, will call fans, would pick being there or uh, summer teeth. I always go for Sky Blue Sky. It's awesome. So you got to go out and get that. Well, they got it on Apple Music. Yeah, it's, I'm yeah, sure it's there. Yeah. Yeah, they've got like 40 million songs or something. I'm sure it's there. Can't find Garth Brooks though. <laughs> oh, bummer! <laughs> I got to go back and edit that track. I think that was my mistake. Um, so we've been talking about uh, primaries. We've been talking about Trump, uh, and now we come around to your South Dakota legislature, um, where. You know, Republicans are firmly in control, but there seems to be a deep, deep rift in the House Republicans that culminated with this whole idea of whether uh, a representative Johnson from Rapid City uh, was threatening Representative DeSanto from Rapid City. And apparently there's some longstanding fissure out there. Do you do you understand this at all? Um, I understand it from a a point that governing is difficult, um, and governing when you've got a supermajority can be even more difficult because instead of having uh, a two party system where you've got parties on the margin and and you know 
everybody's sort of tightened it to keep the other side from from getting too much traction on their bills. With a supermajority like this, the supermajority party has got fissures and fractions. So you, you start to maybe put together some interesting coalitions on bills um, and, and things. And so I think there's a little bit of that going on um, in the House. And then the other side of it, too, is they're, they're there for 40 days, 38 days, something, close quarters. Uh, I mean, you know, working long hours, you know, and I'm sure, you know, tensions build up and build up and build up and you do your best. But when you're in close quarters with, with people for, for so long and for that many hours, I mean, people get upset at times. I haven't, I haven't, I watched the video. Can't it, hear anything. Can't, can't hear anything. It's a security camera video. You can barely see anything. Uh, but from my understanding, uh, you know, they, they made up. They're friends again, but now, but now, Qualm House Majority Leader Qualm apparently asked a couple other people who were involved with it, Kaiser and May, because they were maybe kind of the instigators in bringing it to the public, and they want those two to apologize for co- causing the big kerfuffle. I think that's what I get from it, kind of trying to beat them down, and it doesn't seem to be going well. Yeah. It's just drama. It is drama. It's and it's at this point it's a little bit of palace intrigue as to who started what and <laughs> it, you know and all of that and you know quite frankly I think there are, are bigger issues to be happening this week than you know trying to get other people to apologize to other people who didn't <laughs> yell at each other or did yell at you. I don't know. Um, you got the budget to deal <laughs> with this week and you've got until tomorrow, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to to deal with it. So I hope everybody is uh, you know making up at the end. Uh, of, at you, the end you're of looking camp for here. a little GOP kumbaya. Yeah, I am looking spoken, for a little GOP kumbaya. Spoken like a true uh, uh, true blue Republican, you know? which. That's why we bring you in, Tony. You know, and we'll and we'll need it, uh, you know, going forward after the primary season. We all need to, to you know, hold hands and and get along. And it is representative of a of a philosophical divide in out in Rapid City that has roots that I don't really pay that much attention to, though. That's a, it's a real divide. It's not just frayed nerves. Right? Oh yeah, I could be. I don't know. I don't. You know, I don't know uh, Johnson or DeSanto well, uh, personally, least, and I, they, you know, uh, I haven't followed the, you know, the the history of Rapid City politics. At least uh, it's entertaining. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Reese, he's a Republican political consultant, and we have him in from time to time to set us straight and to bring us some sanity. Uh, Tony, thanks for being here today, and best to the family. Thank you, sir. Have a good weekend. We're going to finish up here in a minute on the Patrick Lally Show. We'll be right back. This is Information 1000 KSOO. 458 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Hey, don't forget, everybody. By the way, uh, Tony Reese, our last guest, told me he got a note that said that uh, Hal Wick has passed away. Former legislator from Sioux Falls, Hal Wick, was in the legislature for a long time. It's sad news. And uh, we'll see. I'm sure there'll be more later. Coming up, though, this weekend, don't forget, it's the home show Thursday, today, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's going on now out at the Sioux Empire Convention Center. I'm sorry, the Sioux Falls Convention Center and Arena. Get out there. Lots going on. Coming up on the show tomorrow, we're going to talk about jazz with the JAS Quintet, Buffalo Maiden, Thea Miller-Ryan, all the usual Friday stuff for the happy hour edition of the Patrick Lally Show. We'll see you all tomorrow.